Welcome, welcome again to another rendition of WTF Interviews. My name is Sir Royce Brielis with my prestigious co-host, Dr. Raheem Young. How's it going, brother? I'm good, man. How you doing? Good, good. I'm also uh, pleased to announce a special guest, uh, Linnell Harris. How's it going, brother? Man, I'm well. I'm well. Blessed to be here. Yeah, thanks for coming, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time out. Uh, so first question I got is, you know, how many kids you got and uh, what are their ages? And also, what do you do? I got one. One kid. <laughs> one, yes, yes, yes. You know, we're in conversations about the next one, but for right now, we got one and he's three years old. Gotcha. Yeah. And uh, what do you do uh, for a living or for uh, a calling? Yeah, so I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. What I do, my calling is to help people transform their lives and live the best life possible. And through that, how I, how I do it is through coaching. So I'm an executive coach, life coach. And so I support uh, not just executives, but entrepreneurs and anyone who's looking to advance their life from point A to point B in the fastest way possible. Cool. So let me ask you this, how, um, how has being a life coach impacted the way that you parent? Man, you know what? It, I think more than anything, it's, it's slowed me down. Mm. And uh, I'm often, I often find myself curious, like asking myself questions about how I'm fathering. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll tell I, I'll give you a story for why. When, when Legend was about two years old, um, he was in the, he was in the living room, jumping on the couch, doing something he really didn't have any business doing. Yeah. And, uh, Pam and I, we have a, a wedding photo that's on a, a coffee table right next to it. Anyway, he jumping up and down the wedding photo fell. So I, I go into the living room and I'm like, man, what did you do? And I start accusing him of knocking down our wedding frame. It was a beautiful crystal frame. So I was a little upset. And I started accusing him of knocking down a wedding frame. He's like, I didn't do it, daddy. I don't, it, it, it failed. I didn't, I didn't do that. And so I'm like, man, get in here. You're in timeout. You know, so I put him in his room. He crying. He's upset. And uh, we always set a timer, you know, two minutes, three minutes, depending on the offense. Or, or we take toys. You know, any, you know, we take his toys. It's end of the world. Oh, Lord. You know, don't take my talk. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, he's he's adamant, man. I didn't I didn't touch that frame. And so I'm like, okay, whatever, little dude, you know. And I go in there to pick it up, and I noticed the back of the the back of the frame where held it uh -huh. had actually given out and the screw had popped out. And I realized he didn't touch the frame. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he was telling the truth. He hadn't yeah. touched the frame. And I'm going to tell you something, man. I'm happy it happened when he was about two years old because that's a lesson that I'll take as a father throughout his life as I have the opportunity to steward him as a father and just always being thoughtful about what I think happened or what I think is going on or what I think is the right thing to do um, versus all the information that I don't know um, as a father. Mm. So how is it, how old is your son now? He's three now. He'll be four next month. He'll be four in a matter of about, you know, 24 days. Okay. Right, cool. Yeah. 
And I know that you said that you and your wife are in uh are talking about having another child. Yeah. Yeah. Um like how what is the discussion like and how how many children did you want to have? You know what? I uh coming coming into well for a long time I've always wanted to have three. Okay. Yeah, I thought three would be a great number. And uh, I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine. You know, you know how you have these conversations. How many children do you want? So, you know, I want three children. And he has four. He was like, yeah, that's how many I wanted. And I'm like, what happened? And he was like, well, we got our three. And then the last one was unplanned. So now I got four. <laughs> I said, oh, he's like, let me give you some advice. Plan on two. You'll probably end up with three. <laughs> so, and so I said, okay, I like that. So we planning on two. But, you know, if we get blessed with the third, you know, I, that's what I've always wanted, I'll be good. Right. Ice and cake. So right, yeah. <laughs> but anybody who has four and over, man, my heart goes out to them. Big ups to you. As a parent, I don't, I don't think I want, I don't want that type of responsibility. <laughs> okay. So, uh, question about your, um, your dad. What would you say would be the biggest lesson you learned from your dad? Man, work ethic. Yeah. Yeah, hands down, work ethic. Uh, I remember I remember my dad, man, bumping around in the house when the sun wasn't even out. Um, I had my bedroom was on the main floor of our home next to the, you know, the bathroom that, you know, serviced the main floor. And, you know, he would come down there and, you know, be, you know, brushing his teeth or doing different things to get ready for work. And uh, I would hear him in there because right next to my room and it'd be early, man. And it was like same time every day. He'd be getting ready for work. And then as we got older, he ran. He also, you know, had a side hustle where he did contracting work. And uh, as we got older, he'd be like, you know, you would kick the bed some mornings and say, oh, no, you thought you were sleeping in. You're coming to work with me. Men have to work. In order for a man to eat, man to take care of his family, you got to work. This is the best lesson you'll have in your life. And, you know, we'd be up, you know, early in the morning, 6 a.m. on a Saturday, man, and we wouldn't be back home until it was dark outside. You know, I'm like, oh, I can't believe it. You know, <laughs> no plan, no nothing. Uh, and he'd be teaching us, you know, how to put up drywall, or how to paint, or how to plaster. Um, he'd be teaching us all those things. And uh, hands down, the biggest lesson that I learned from him was you know work ethic and when you work you can create something you can create you know you can take care of yourself and you can create something special nice. would you say that your dad was like an influence for you as a parent as you're a parent now um yes and no yes and no i think there's elements there's things that i did learn from my dad that uh i think as a parent today um, I still, I still parent that way. Uh, I think in terms of, in terms of work ethic, in terms of what it means to be a man and how to show up as a, you know, my, even though Legend's a, a three-year-old boy, I, I believe the training begins almost immediately because uh, he's watching. Mm -hmm. Even this morning, I'm brushing my teeth and he was using the bathroom and I'm like, watch what you're doing because he's watching me brush my teeth. You know what I'm saying? Because they, I mean, our, our little ones, they watch us. They watch all our moves. And so I'm, I'm very cognizant of that. And um, 
you know, so uh, those are, you know, some of the things I try to teach them that my dad taught me is, you know, picking up behind yourself, cleaning up, you know, all those little small things that at his age, he can begin to, to take on. Um, one thing that uh, I would say, I mean, the reason I said yes and no is because there are also elements about my dad that I didn't like. And I don't know that I would, you know, uh, treat my son that way. And one of them would be, you know, my, like my dad, we work all day. We didn't necessarily get paid well. Um, you know, so I think with the work ethic comes also helping, helping legend understand that, you know, there's your time is valuable and I'm going to treat you that way. Um, and that was one of the hangups I always had with my dad. Like, man, we did all this free labor. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he like, well, I take care of you. I feed you. But at the same time, I do believe that what he built probably would have been sustained if, if we had a different relationship with his business. So they give you $5, nothing, not $1. And it depends, $2? man. It depends on how you felt that day. You know how these old school baby boomers <laughs> are, uh, man. You know? <laughs> you know, no shade to baby boomers listening, but you know. yeah, man. But you mentioned how, um, how even you interact with your son, like, uh, it doesn't seem like you're, um, heavy handed with your approach. Like you, uh, it doesn't sound like you like you really like spank your child or anything like that. It sounds like you are real, like you, you listen to him, you talk to him and you give him a choice. Yeah. Well, uh, Hey man, I'm, I'm raising, I'm raising a mini me in yeah. a lot of ways. He's stubborn. I like to say that the boy, you know, has, you know, I've never had to discipline him physically. Um, but there's been times where he has had to have some level of physical discipline. Yeah. Um, I say it's sporadic. Again, my wife and I, we found, we found things that matter to him outside of just physical discipline. Um, Cause the way I look at physical discipline is like the last resort. I mean, it's the absolute last resort. Um, but do I, do I believe in it? I think sometimes it is necessary. Um, but it's the absolute last resort. I'd much rather put him in timeout, much rather take a toy, you know, much rather do those things. But even as a little person, y'all know, they can get a little wild, man. You know, say something to you like, you can't talk like that. Be like, I can't talk like that, daddy. Be like, look, man, you know, timeout ain't gonna cut this one. You can't be disrespectful. <laughs> you know, but otherwise, for me, it's really just trying to have conversations with them, connect with them. Uh, and, and teach him, like, you know, use interactions we have, even when he's doing something I don't necessarily care for, as a teachable moment. This is why daddy doesn't care for it. So how are you disciplined uh, growing up? Oh, man, you already know. You already <laughs> know, man. <laughs> you know, man, belts and whoopings, bro. You know, that's, I mean, that was I what so. I remember. Yeah. Is you know getting disciplined with spankings and stuff like that, um, which I think is another reason why you know I'm I'm, I'm I want to have more of a hybrid approach because you know some of the some of the the beatings I got I, I don't know that I necessarily deserve them, and I'll tell you the other thing is it hardened me in a in, in a certain way. Um, I remember the last one I got I was probably about you know twelve or thirteen. And I'm like, man, I ain't crying. Like, you know, I'm like, I ain't going to give my moms the pleasure of dropping a tear while she do this. And uh, she was, you know, she was like trying to make, you know, make her, her presence felt. And I was stubborn. And, you know, we were kind of meeting. She just kind of stopped like, hmm. 
she's like, you're going to just start listening. Because she could tell, like, all right, this boy is, you know, and I, I, I remember that. And I think in some ways what it does to, at least for, for me as a man, it, it calloused me over emotionally. You know that, and uh, and so I'm aware of that, and so I would never, you know, I don't want to have a relationship like that with my son, nor do I want to discipline him that way. Okay, well, can you um, can you go into into that deeper as far as like callous you over as a man? What, what do you mean by that? Well, callous me over emotionally. I mean, think about it, man. If 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 your body is in pain and you can teach yourself not to respond to the pain in an emotional way. Like you, I mean, that's a way of being that, you know, is not necessarily healthy because there's a re- that, that reaction is going somewhere. Like it's getting ingrained in your DNA. Something's happening. Like that, the, you know, you're absorbing that pain and that pain is going to be expressed in some way. If it's not expressed in the moment through tears and emotions, maybe your feelings being hurt and crying, then it's going to be expressed in some other way. And, uh, you know, for me, I think in a lot of ways, they drove a wedge between me and my parents. By the time I was 17 years old, I left the house. And, and again, no shade to my parents. They were great parents, man. I think they were, they were doing the best that they could with what they had. I mean, most of us African-Americans, man, we came from families that were former sharecroppers, that were former slaves. And the only form of discipline that we did know was, you know, brutally physical. Um, and in my case, you know, most of my friends and family thought we were getting over because y'all get spanked with a belt. I mean, y'all get spanked with a belt. I have friends that got spanked with switches. I mean, you go out there and get a switch. They had to go get their own switch. I'm like, you got spanked with a switch, bro? You know? Extension um, cords, all types of stuff. Yeah, extension cords, <laughs> water hoses, bro. Hey, man, I ain't going to say who it was, but I know – I know one family, man, where the, the boys in that family, their moms had a frozen water hose in the freezer, man. Oh, and if man. they got in trouble, she'd be like, I'm going to go get the hose. I, I don't even know what that felt like. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, for me, that's why it's like, you know, some level of physical discipline. Like, and like for, I'll give you an example of what it might be like. I'd be like, put your hand out. And he's, he'll get so emotionally distressed by the fact that his hand's going to get smacked that sometimes I don't even got to smack it because he'd be like, no, daddy, no. I'm like, no, nah, man, you know, you wanted, to dis- you wanted to disobey. You know, you big and, you know, you can, then you can take this hand smack. No, dad, I won't do it again. You know, so we have a good conversation. I'd be like, all right, look, man. No, you can't, you can't act like that. Otherwise, there's a consequence. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry, dad. He apologized. I never have to smack the hand. It's just the idea that the hand gets smacked is enough. So, you know, I think there's different ways as you build a relationship um, with your child. Yeah, I think that communication point is, is key, real yeah. vital. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, like, uh, my daughter and your son are the same age, so mm-hmm. we're going to be having similar, you know, battles, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, like, when my when when they get older. So when when your son gets to be like teenage age and he starts to like get into girls and mm-hmm. you know and all that type of stuff, what type of advice would you give him once he starts like trying to get it and get into that type of type of stuff? Man, the same advice my father gave me, um, it was, and it was great advice. I I can't remember how old we were. Man, it had to be maybe about between thirteen and fifteen. I think nowadays it's going to have to be sooner, you know, because, again, that was, 
the eighties, you know what I'm saying? And, and no internet. <laughs> right, right. No internet and you know, it wasn't no cable television. That's when, you know, it was all the antenna. You'd be like, ah, trying to get the antenna right. Now, man, there's so much coming at them. I think these conversations have to happen sooner. But what my father did is he just sat us down and he had a full on conversation about sex holistically. I mean, everything that you can think of when it comes to sex. Um, he just was like, look, man, we need to have this conversation. Um, he just kind of laid out, you know, what sex was. He's like, we've already told you as little boys that no one should be touching you in certain places. He says, as you're getting older, um, it don't really change. And then the big point he made was, if you want to ruin your childhood and grow faster than you have to, then go out here, have unprotected sex and have a baby. That will do it. He just kind of laid it out, you know, he, you know, he would break it down to the financial aspects, you know, like, hey, you have a baby. Now, if you don't marry that woman, a good portion of the money you make for the next 18 to 20 years is going to her, whether you like her or not, you know, and he just kind of would, you know, so we'd be listening as we'd be like, that don't sound attractive at all, you know what I'm saying? And then he came, he came with the solution and he said, look, you know, Sex is something that does happen. And if it ever, if you ever, if you ever got to a point where you felt like it was going to happen, then you should use a condom. And he pulled the condom out. My brother was like, oh, come on, dad. He was like, no, no, watch this, watch this. And you know, he pulled the condom out. This is how a condom looks. This is how a condom works. Um, and uh, the idea is that you're not using it because you're too young. And that's not even where your mind should be. But I'm just telling you because I don't want you to make a, a mistake because you were not informed. And I, I'm going to tell you something, man. I, I thank God for that advice. Because I got a lot of friends who parents were like, don't do it. And they, they got children, you know, they had children when they were teenagers. Because um, the only advice they got was don't do it. And uh, the one thing my dad did is he kind of laid it out completely. And uh, that that just gave me a lot more to work with. And it, 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 etched, it etched in my brain. So even as I was growing up in college, when I was making certain choices, like I hear my father's voice, like, don't do that. I'd be like, all right, you know, hey, man, you got something on your house? Okay, we're going to, you know, your boys be like, what, you left? Like, yeah, man, I left. They what? Like, yeah. But, you know, I look back now and I'm like, I'm happy I left because I might, I might, I might have, if I didn't leave, I might have another package with me. If you get one more. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's how he handled that. That's cool. Uh, I know you talk you talk a lot about like purpose and, and your coaching. Mm -hmm. um, how were you able to discover your purpose, and how does it coincide with you as a father? Mm, yeah, man. I I had the. Uh, the wonderful opportunity to be mentored in my early twenties mm. by a gentleman um, who's no longer with us, but by a gentleman who really took purpose seriously. And one of, one of the things he told me was that if you, when you distinguish your purpose, if you live aligned with that, you will experience success. You, mm -hmm. know, you do not have to worry about how the how will work itself out. What you worry about is alignment. And staying aligned 
to what you believe and what you know your purpose to be. Um, he was like, don't chase money, chase purpose. He's like, purpose will pay, I promise you. And he was well off. He had built, you know, some, uh, some very, some big businesses, well-known businesses. And so I, um, I took that advice and I'll tell you, when I look at how my life has kind of gone, the different decisions I've made, the things I didn't do. Um, I can remember once, man, being interviewed by a company and I was single at the time. They were headquartered in Atlanta. They were like, look, man, you come on with us. We gonna give you a loft and a corporate car. The corporate car was a GS Lexus back when the GS was hot. You know what I'm saying? Like, remember when that GS first dropped, it was hot. Yeah, and uh, they like matter of fact, we'll we'll even give you a GS to drive here in Chicago. You know, you know, because you're gonna have to pick up clients, etc. But what they wanted me to do was streamline operations, lay people off, and I'm like, well, that's not my purpose. My purpose is to enhance the life of people, not to in any way cause them pain. And so I didn't take the job. Um, and what's crazy about that is a year later, that's when I received the promotion to chief diversity officer that led me to coach. So if I had left to pursue money, then I likely wouldn't be a coach today. I wouldn't be doing the work that I do as an entrepreneur that makes me so happy. And so I, I firmly believe in purpose when I look back at how my life is going, especially in the areas where I didn't know how things were going to work out. Even when I left corporate America, that was a, that was a pursuit of purpose. And when I look at where I am today, man, I'm, I'm so happy I made that decision, even though people thought I was nuts. Like, man, you're crazy. You know, you brothers don't get where you are in corporate America. You just gonna walk away. But that's what, that's what I believe the creator is telling me to do. And so when I, when I bring that to who I am as a father, I'm always curious and kind of watching for my son's talents and passions. Um, and more so looking to support him in his areas of passion, even as a three-year-old, like he loves animals. And so it's like, okay, you love animals, then let's get you lots of animal books. Let's, let's, you know, let you learn everything you can about animals. The boy knows me. He'll be like, dad, that's an old copy. I'd be like, a what? (laughs) 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 How you know that? It was in the book. Or it was in the video, right? Like, Google, like, uh, oh, copy. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, just, you know, just continue to feed his passions and then just watch for his talents. You know, the, you know, the gifts that God endowed him with. And more than anything, just kind of like, you know, let him go in those directions organically. And I believe that, you know, he'll find what it is that he's supposed to do on this planet that way. Um, very much like I have. Awesome. Now, um, it was a question I asked. I asked pretty much everybody that uh, we interviewed before we even uh, booked the call. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does fatherhood mean to you? And uh, Linnell, you said uh, stewardship. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of talked about that a little earlier, but uh, could you go more into that? Like, what does that mean to you, like stewardship? Yeah, man. I I see uh, being a parent is a gift, and. Uh, um, I, I, the way the reason I say stewardship is because uh, my son has his own spirit, and ultimately he belongs to the Creator. We all belong to the Creator, and um, he has a purpose. And so I believe my job is to be a steward 
of his life and his purpose while he's at a vulnerable place um, as a child. Um, and so the stewardship to me looks like support, um, servitude, uh, curiosity, and all the many things that we do as parents that I think sometimes we don't really think about. Um, stewardship means making sure he's in incredibly healthy, he's eating well, um, and doing everything that I know how to do uh, to enhance who he is on the planet so that way the execution of his purpose can be enhanced. And um, stewardship is education. Um, making sure, you know, making sure he can read, he can write, he can do all those things. And so, and I believe stewardship is also a discipline. And I think that's why even in his discipline, I'm thoughtful um, to make sure that, you know, we're not, I'm not raising uh, a, a little boy who has no discipline whatsoever. So I don't discipline him. And so he goes out in the world and loses his life or um, gets disciplined out there by the police. <laughs> Um, and we know they won't hold back. Um, and so part of part of my role, too, is to be a disciplinarian and, you know, to hurt his feelings on purpose by taking toys and doing things like that. But to teach him life lessons um, in terms of who he is, how he should respond to authority. And um, but ultimately uh, crafting and molding and solidifying his connection to the creator. I think that's the biggest role I play as a steward is making sure that he knows that he's here for a purpose and that the creator ultimately is, is why we all exist and who we should serve. Uh, I, I know you, um, you and your wife, you named your, your son legend. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, can you give like some, some background on the name or what was your yeah. process? Yeah. You know what? And I, I'll be completely transparent in terms of who we be and also believe that we live into our names and so for me, it was, it was about, well, how can I support him in becoming who it is that he will become? And I just, I love the definition of the name legend. I love what it stands for. And ultimately, I believe we all have a calling on our lives to make an impact. And so in many ways, it was just my, my attempt to truly align him with who he is and who he be. Um, cause we all have legendary potential, but if I actually name the boy legend and, uh, and do everything I can to, to instill in him what I know, uh, will help him be successful. Then he can in fact be not just named a named legend, but be a legend. And, um, that's where I came from with that is, uh, in coaching, one of the things we talk about is seeing, having the end in mind and seeing the end or envisioning the goal and envisioning the goal so clearly that is mentally and emotionally compelling. And um, I think with parenthood, it's the same. We should have a vision for our children that goes well beyond us. And I see legend doing, doing things that I'd never had the opportunity to do. 
um, but building on what it is that my wife and I have been able to create for him. And so I'm doing everything I can to make that, to, to fulfill on my role, to make that possible for him. You know, leaving legacy, um, ensuring that we have things handled in terms of trust and estates in place. If something happened to me, my life was cut short. Life insurance that would uh, ensure that he got an adequate education and proper care. Um, all those things in place so I can myself do what I know I should do so he can live up to the name. And in many ways, it holds me accountable every time I call him. That's awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. Now, um, you've been coaching for a while now. What would you say um, is two or three books you would recommend to a dad? Mm. Like if it's a new dad or even an experienced dad, what would be two or three books you'll, you'll say, here, take, take these and uh, tell me what you think about it? Yeah. Um, I think we got to separate that from coaching. Okay. And the reason I say that is because some of the best books I've read about being a dad had nothing to do with self-development, but everything to do with understanding child development. Mm -hmm. And um, man, I wish I had known you were going to ask that question because I don't even know the title to these books because I read him, you know, when he was uh, in the womb or either, you know, like before he was even one years old. Um, but I'm, one of the books I read, <clears throat> it was written by uh, a child psychologist and, and, uh, and a pedi pediatrician. And one of the things they talked about was like the basic need of a child from birth to three years old is to be surrounded by love and that their overall social emotional development is is so dependent upon whether or not they feel loved by their parents um, and it has a tremendous impact on the child you know for the rest of their lives and they and they, they kind of broke down children who grew up in like had high levels of trauma um, abuse lack of love they become troubled adults um, or they struggle in adulthood and children who grow up with lots of love, um, nourishment, um, they become high-functioning members of society that contribute. And again, I'm like, okay, well, that had a profound impact on me. I mean, the plan was always to love, you know, my child, but yeah. to read that, it just, it's like, man, okay, if there's anything we can do is to love them. And I think more than anything, we give we give him a lot of affection and we want to make sure that he knows that he's loved because of that. And I, I don't know that I grew up that way, man. I don't remember my father hugging and kissing me, um, you know, things like that. It was it was more, you know, like, all right, boy, you know, I don't remember him really wrestling with me. He was present. You get where I'm going, but it was just a different dynamic. And not that I didn't feel love. But, you know, those are, like, even to this day, it feels weird to hug my dad. And it shouldn't. You know, it shouldn't feel weird to hug my father. But that's, you know, there's, it's just not that, that comfortability that I want my son to have to know that, man, I'm your dad. I love you. We're connected. Um, I'll probably kiss the boy on his cheek until I, until I go, you know. 
and uh, definitely going to hug the boy. Because that's, you know, that's how I feel about him. I want him to know that's how I feel about him. That he's loved no matter what. Your old man loves you, man. And so uh, there's somewhere you can always go. You can tell me anything. We can talk about anything. And I don't think, you know, I don't know that I always felt that way growing up with my parents. That I could bring anything, talk about anything. And I, I want to have that. Um, so that book made a tremendous impact on me. I, I have to, I have to, uh, um, it's upstairs. I, I can grab it so you all can maybe put it in the notes. Yeah, okay. let me know. I can add it to the, the yeah. description for the people. Yeah. And then the other, the other big one that made an impact on me was really around uh, written by pediatricians in terms of how to take care of a child and how to navigate this vaccination game. There's so many different opinions. I'm not going to drop mine. What I would say is that in order to form my opinion, yeah, I read about four different books by pediatricians who held different views on vaccinations. And because I am the father of a, an African-American little boy, I thought that was incredibly important because there's so many different reports out here about what works and what doesn't work for our boys. I wanted to be informed. I wanted to know. So I know you were looking for maybe self-development books, man, but, you know, I, well, I work with adults. So yeah, when I became a father... I was like, I was like, ah, I don't know what to do. I started reading, man, you know, so, you know, just somebody trying to accomplish a goal, I got you. <laughs> and I got mad books for that. Um, but in terms of, you know, correlating to fatherhood, that's where I went right away. I, those things I had under my belt, I wanted to really understand how to, to be a good dad. So you spoke on like not really knowing what to do and reading books learning trying to learn or understand what to do as as a father so what was something that surprised you or like uh, unknown that you discovered once you became a dad about being a dad oh man the uh the deep emotional connection Mm. you know i uh it's the best way to say it i think i spent my my 20s and the the first, like the early 30s, emotionally disconnected. Okay. Um, and what I mean by that is just emotionally disconnected from other people, definitely women. Yeah. Um, you know, just kind of doing my own thing. And, and uh, my only real connection was to, you know, to my parents and my siblings. Uh, and then, you know, family, some cousins and things like that. But outside of that, I mean, if something horrible happened, I mean, I even remember 2001, as horrible as that was, my only concern was, did I know anybody? Is there anybody I was connected to in that building? Yeah. Um, and, and when I was clear that it wasn't my friends in New York were cool, I was like, I'm well, you know. And that's, I mean, that's how emotionally disconnected I was. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people experience pain from that. I couldn't necessarily comprehend or even be with it because it wasn't connected directly to me if that makes sense yeah um and since then i've done a lot of work you know therapy and um even you know when i really got serious about okay i need to transform my relationship with women and i knew i was ready to you know explore a really serious relationship i had to do a lot of work man to to open myself up emotionally as a man and so the first real connection I had like that was to my wife um, before we got married, um, which is one of the reasons I married her, right? Um, and I thought that was intense. 
Oh, this is intense. <laughs> My goodness, you know, woof. Then I had a son. <laughs> and it's like, man, next level. And it's nothing like seeing yourself out, like, like seeing yourself outside your body because there's things that that little boy do that I'm like, oh, man, that's me all day. You know, and it's, and it's just like this profound, I mean, profound connection. And the other night, I walked in his room. He was asleep. His mama put on the bed. And I just, you know, my heart is just like, oh, man, I love this. Love this little boy, man. It's just like, whew. And I think, so that to me, that's the, you know, I think you already intuitively know you will love your child. But I, you know, if a person's listening and not, they're not a parent, I think you guys can agree. Like, you really don't understand that love until a, until you become a parent, become a father. Um, that's, that's when, you, yeah, you like, man, this is next level intense. And um, I think that's the biggest thing I learned. And then the level of responsibility. I think the emotional connection was surprising. And then I'm already hyper responsible. But then it was like, man, there's a, another person depending on me. I got even more responsible, mostly for myself, because I did some crazy stuff before I was a dad, you know, jumping out of planes. <laughs> you know, now I'll be like, man, you know, should I do that? Yeah, you know, is the parachute packed well? Because, you know, it ain't just about me no more, you know. So, yeah, man. No, I think those were the most surprising things for me. I have a follow-up question based on your response. Yeah. Do you feel like um, that experience of love, do you feel like it's a choice or is it just natural that it, that it happens? Mm. Mm. That's a good question. Hmm. That's difficult to answer. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is because it would, the only way I can answer it is through my lens. Yeah. Right. And I'm also aware that um, I'm blessed in terms of my upbringing. I'm blessed in terms of my experiences. I'm blessed in terms of the wisdom and knowledge I have. And so um, for me, it was, you know, pretty automatic. But I'm also aware that, you know, some men have gone through certain levels of trauma, um, even what they experienced with their own fathers, where it may be a choice. It might be something. And by the way, I think it's, for me, it was automatic. Um, but then there's still instances where you have to choose, especially when, you know, you're thinking about your child and in contrast to what you desire, what you really desire in contrast into what they really need. Mm. And, you know, then it's like, well, I love him. And so I'm choosing to love him even in this. especially when they can look at you and be like, I don't like that. I don't want that. You know, you kind of like, man, you, mm, (laughs) it's a choice at that point, you know, but it's a choice that's already in many ways, you know, on the foundation of inherent love, you know, and I'm also aware that I'm blessed and we're, you know, we're blessed and there's, you know, many men don't, have that opportunity and so for them they they may have to choose and I honor that gotcha so um it's my next question and uh we're getting close to time but uh uh how do you handle um discrepancies between 
like you and your wife in regards to your son. I know it's times where you know, don't agree on everything. Um, how do you handle those conflicts and uh, how do you overcome them? You know what? I'm blessed, man. Um, and the reason I say that is I think by the time Legend turned about two, maybe even one and a half, my wife began to realize that there was things about males she didn't understand and things about how he behaved as a young boy that she couldn't really wrap her mind around. Um, and she began to kind of say, I gotta, I'm gonna have to defer. You know, I'm, I'm gonna defer. I'm gonna let you, you know, kind of lead this. And, and um, you know, she's a nurturer. There are times where I think we both, because she's given me so much rope, then on the flip side, I give her rope, right? Where she might jump in and save him. And I'll be like, babe, why are you always saving them? Right. But I'm also kind of like, because, you know, when she, like, she doesn't jump in often if you get where I'm going. Right. So then if I'm like grilling him about something and he crying and she like, well, Linnell, I think he, I don't think he understand. Uh, she like, well, let, let me just talk to him. And I'm like, all right. But because she, because she gives me so much rope in those, in those moments, I'm just like, let her be a mama. Let him get loved up on. You know, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be by himself with me another time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and so I, I just you know, so we kind of just you know, kind of just flex if that makes sense. Like we haven't when before I even married my wife, man. One of the things we talked about was raising children and and uh, our values. And one of the reasons we knew that marrying one another was the right thing to do is because we have very similar values in terms of what we wanted to teach our children and how we wanted to raise our children. And, uh, and so she lets me do what, you know, I feel is necessary as a dad. Um, she lets me push them and, you know, in ways that, you know, she might even be like, what happened? You know, I know she kind of like wondering like what was going on, but she didn't interfere. And so, you know, later she wants to report out because she like, well, I wanted to come, but I'm like, you be telling me don't bother y'all. And, you know, I heard him crying and I'm like, he was good. He fine. You know, he was just wanted his own way and we got to push past that. Right. And so, uh, she's incredibly gracious with that as I would be with a girl, you know, I'm like, there's something she'd be like, no, I need to talk. I'm like, Hey, you know, do what you got to do there. Cause I don't, you know, there's a dynamic there that I don't understand. And so I'm gonna let you do you. Oh, that's cool, man. It, like, this has been uh, a dope interview. Probably one of my favorites so far. Cool. Um, like Royce was just saying, like, we are getting close to time, so I have one last question. Mm -hmm. um, who are, like, three men who mm -hmm. inspired you to be the man that you are and the father that you are? Yeah, yeah. So I got to throw my dad in there mm -hmm. because, I mean, he was present in my life. Um, and you know, with the pros and cons, you know, what he knew, what he didn't know, how he showed up and what I liked about how he showed up and, and the things I didn't like, um, he had a profound impact. He was there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of what I learned about being a man came from him. And then, so I always have love in my heart for my father, you know, even if I don't always agree with some of the things he did, 
Mm-hmm. I have love in my heart for my dad because of that. Um, I feel incredibly blessed to to have been fathered by him. Um, in terms of other men that had a profound impact on me, uh, most of them were my father's friends. Mm. And uh, what comes to mind is a man named James Larry. I had him on my show a couple of Father's Day, uh, Father Days ago, uh, a Father Day celebrations ago, Mm -hmm. um, because he was a good friend of my dad. And um, he's the one that, you know, we go on fishing trips and camping ship trips. And, you know, Mr. Larry was always there. And he had sons and I played with his boys. And in many ways, he was another man that I looked up to that, uh, held down a job that took care of his family that was always present with his family. And, um, I mean, even to this day, I still, I, you know, I still have a lot of respect for, for him, which is why I had him on the show. Um, and then the other man that comes to mind is we call him chief, uh, Joe Gordon, but again, another friend of my dad who, uh, was not just a father, but a father to a lot of the, the young men in the church I grew up in. And so he's the one that took us on, on trips and, you know, theme parks. And he was always spending time with the boys, always trying to figure out ways to get us involved in sports and setting up tournaments and football games. And, you know, he was always there. And um, he always made it about us, you know, and, and, and making sure that we had activities and outlets. And, and again, hardworking man. I remember him being a truck driver and uh, knowing how to do a lot of the same things my dad did that inspired me to, you know, be like, oh, hard work is cool because all the men I knew were hard workers. They had a profound impact on me. They're not celebrities. They're not names that people, you know, people all over the world know. But to me, those names matter a lot. And uh, yeah, I just want to acknowledge them for the roles they played in my life. That's dope. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah, man. And um, last question for you, man. Uh, the people had to get in contact with you. How would they? How would they do so? Yeah, man. You could just catch me on almost every social media uh, outlet at Linnell Harris. That's L I N A L H A R R I S at Linnell Harris. Almost everywhere. Um, Coach Linnell Harris on Facebook, and uh, you can go to my website, LinnellHarris.com, to learn more about me, learn more about my services, and what I'm up to. Ooh, man. I'm, I'm gonna add this one to the Hall of Fame, man. One of the Hall of Famers, man. I'm gonna put it up, put it up in the rafters. Man. Man. I appreciate that. I appreciate <laughs> nah, it. Though, man. Talking, fellas. Yeah. Yeah, definitely appreciate yeah. your time, man. Yeah. All right, yeah. what's up, folks? Thank you. Sir Royce Briales for Dr. Raheem Young and also for Linnell Harris. Thank you again for listening to WTF interviews and stay tuned for further announcements. Yes, yes. Thank you for listening to WTF Interviews. If you want to get in contact with us, you can reach us via our website, wtfatherhood.org. Also, our Facebook page and our Facebook group will be listed in the description below as well. Uh, I ask you to leave a a review as it helps more people receive the message. And uh, again, until next time, be well. You already are.